There's no way that I'm going to get into the first 20 seconds of this podcast introduction to cover everything interesting about it that should make you listen to it. Uh, We've got an amazing woman, a first-generation immigrant, Palestinian-American, involved heavily in public interest impact, involved heavily in nonprofit marketplace work, and just an amazing and interesting story, as well as so many different projects and interesting things going on that you just have to hear it. You just have to listen. So I think I'm going to continue being awkward through the rest of the episode. And uh, Jess will always bring good humor. And uh, as always, welcome to the podcast. I think that's really good thinking about how different our paths are um, because that's important to showcase. There are so many ways to get into the space and I feel like passion might be the underlying common denominator. Passion and luck, right? Like there is True. like a luck involved too, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I feel, I feel good. I feel ready. All right. We've got someone here that I absolutely love working with, chatting with, having fun with who is super passionate about the space and has like this, the, one of the coolest international paths to landing in corporate social responsibility. She's an entrepreneur at monday.com building out a massive, I don't even know how to phrase it. And we'll get to that point, but let's say marketplace foundation, grant writing organization, community network, both for corporate social responsibility professionals and for the nonprofits we're trying to benefit. Uh, I've often described it as a shortcut to getting the solutions that you need for both corporate social responsibility professionals and for nonprofits. So, um, hi, Jess. How are you doing? Hey. I don't want to cut you out. All right. So, <laughs> here is our guest, Rowan. Hi. Hello. Welcome, Rowan. Hi. That was an, a badass intro of Digital Lift. I love that. A shortcut to getting the solutions you need. We are going to take that from you. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I think I tricked everybody by introducing Jess first, but she always just hangs back and she's so quiet. <laughs> I, I was expecting a high Rowan in that moment, but I was like, okay, we're just going to flow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is our second show that's going to be airing. So let's just uh, deal with the awkwardness. and uh, Yeah, we're yeah. working through it. We are we'll working through it. But we're all we're all keeping our smiles on. So, Rowan, who are you? What do you do? Where'd you come from? What are you passionate about? Where's a good starting point? This is where Jess usually is better than me. <laughs> starting with my roots um, frames a really big part of the story and why I'm here. You know, in the social impact tech space. So I am Palestinian American, and. My story begins actually in Palestine in a small village called Hawada, where I spent the very, very early years of my life before my family immigrated to the United States. So with that identity comes the immigrant story of starting from scratch, building out community and network where we started out in Brooklyn, New York. So I am a Brooklyn gal, and I bring that that grit and that attitude with me every day to work in the, in the social impact space. 
But yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. I did my parents' taxes. I really was like the entrepreneurial spirit of just getting things done because there is no one else to do it. And there's no other way for you to for you to move along in the world was how I was brought up from being the translator, social security benefits. Um, we were we were really poor growing up in Brooklyn. And that that drove a lot of my thinking of like inequality, you know, what does it mean? Why are we in this position? Why are others not? Why are there? And those sort of questions came up a lot as I was growing up. But the real um, burst to my passion for wanting to make change came when I was 15. And my parents decided to move us back to the village that I was born into. And that's where I saw a lot of societal, political challenges that I don't wish on any human being in the world. And during my time there, that's when I became basically an activist. So I combined kind of entrepreneurship with activism and like doing a lot of girls programming in my school, being the spokesperson as the only one who actually knew English to speak with um, Israeli soldiers who were governing our day-to-day lives. And with living those experiences, with feeling for my people, I thought to myself, this is it. I can't, I can't just go out and make a lot of money. I need to, I need to give back and be that person that dedicates their life to making things change. I've always wanted to change what was around me, um, the inequality, the oppression of women, the oppression of people. And so that really spoke to me and landed me into the nonprofit sector. And that's where I led a lot of I led a nonprofit. I'll just say it as that. I was the executive director of a nonprofit that brought Palestinian Israeli activists and peace builders to Washington, D.C., and where decisions are made, and really got some collective activism going in the political spaces that no one ever had seen before. Like a congressperson meeting an Israeli and a Palestinian was something that no everyone was like, what is going on here? It was such an anomaly. And within my four years, it became the norm in a lot of political spaces. But that story of being an executive director, leading an NGO really brought up a lot of the challenges that I started to learn about the nonprofit space. You're always fundraising. There's a lot of like tensions with board members that come up and like really, really like the growth versus staying true to what the NGO started with. And also a lot of questions about impact because I've always been impact driven. And I started to feel within my work, within the space that I was doing, were we making an impact if we got that meeting with the White House? Like, did that meeting actually create legislative change in the ways that our community was expecting it to? And so I started to question that impact and what it means. And in my search, I learned about like thinking about impact, I learned that a SaaS company called Monday had just committed 10% of its equity to the digital transformation of nonprofits. I was in a conference when I heard about it. My um, now colleague told me about this and I thought it was the most game-changing percentage I've ever seen in the tech space. I mean, I knew about Salesforce and the 1% pledge and getting companies to do 1% and the little the community person in me was like 1%, like can't really give back to a community at 1%. So to see it go 10 times that from a company um, where it's never been done before really spoke to me. And that brought me to Monday, like a, a company that brings 
a cloud-based platform for organizations to manage all their operations in one place and really building out from scratch, like you said, a platform, an ecosystem, a digital community of nonprofit professionals who want to accelerate their impact with technology. It's a lot of story to, to just breeze through and no tech background. Landed at a tech no. company as an, yes. as an entrepreneur in the space in a, in a new program as a non-tech person. Yeah. How do you pull that off? That's a really good question. I think one, it was the intersection of something that I actually, I didn't have the technical experience, but I breathed and spoke and lived nonprofit for a while. And Monday was wanting that, wanting someone who really understood the nonprofit space. But to, to all of you out there, like, how do I land a technical job if I have no technical skills? Speak to your software friends. So I did call my software friend and I said, hey, I'm interviewing for a job for Monday. I've never used, like, I'm not a technical person. I know, obviously, as a nonprofit, you need to understand platforms like Canva, donation processing and all the beautiful stuff there. Um, And I had a one hour sit down with him where I was like, what do I need to know? And he said, say API every other word. And I said, what's an API? And he was like, okay, we need some more time together. <laughs> but, and, and for those on the call who don't know what an API is, Google it. Yeah, Google it. And I think this is the thing. There's so much, not stigma, but intimidation about what it is, what it means to work in a non-technical role at a technology company. And a lot of the... And a lot of the technical foundations are actually things that are really common to to our work, to our everyday work in the nonprofit sector. So an API basically connects two platforms together. So I thought, okay, that sounds doable. I've been connecting communities, partnerships together for a really long time. So I use a lot of the foundations that I learned in partnership building and basically put that within a technical lens and it was, it worked out. What do they call that? Transferable soft skills. I really, exactly. I really like that you were able to pull these similes, metaphors yeah. between two elements together. That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. One word that stood out to me as you shared your journey was activist. And I'm wondering in what ways do you see that activism and activist spirit showing up in your work at Monday.com and with Digital Lift? you know, with activism, a a lot of your work is waking up in the morning and thinking, how, how do I help? How do I help my community? Like, what do I need to do in my everyday and like speaking up and like mobilizing, getting events together um, to create X goals. And with Digital Lift, what we're doing is we're building communities, we're building alliances, which is a lot of the groundwork of what activism really really is, right? You're getting people together for collective action. And with the organizing that we're doing and bringing the nonprofit sector together with the tech sector to come together with the common goal of closing the digital divide that exists for nonprofits, it's very much grounded in in the same mobilizing work that that it exists and getting those, those allyships and alliances like Peter engaged and involved is, is a huge part of that. Yeah, I like that. Kind of bridging between and translating like you did it in the past, kind of translating the nonprofit world yeah. to a corporate space and uh, diffusing the opposite way as well. It's really important work so that everyone can get on the same page and build that community to meet needs. Since you since you called me out, part of the appeal of what 
you're doing and, and honestly your background is that it's refreshing in the space, at least for me as somebody that did, did not come up in any professional training in ESG or CSR or anything like that, that came in as a as an entrepreneur, much like yourself. And, and I do want to get into that very quickly. It's just nice to see these new ideas come into an ecosystem, especially from someone like you that is coming from the need side. You knew what the needs of the nonprofit were and you started building something. Now, when you when you were brought in, what was your original task at Monday.com? When you when you what role did you even apply for? Did they just say we started this thing and we need headcount? No. <laughs> we, we, we committed this money and let's just get some good voices in here that that understand the space or what were they looking for? They were looking for a partnerships manager to build out the partnership ecosystem from scratch. That was the role that I signed up for. I knew that they were on, on the verge of launching a philanthropic arm called Digital Lift. And I knew that basically when I joined, it didn't really exist. Like it was the idea that our co-founders and our social impact team had been talking about like, what can we do? What can we do in the space as like this tech company wanting to give back? So I knew I came to build something from scratch. I knew that they needed like a strong partnerships person to to make partnerships happen in an ambiguous space of of building something new that doesn't exist before. But it it looks nothing like today, like what I thought I was getting into versus the actual roles now. It's, it's as you know, when you're working within a large company, but operating as a small startup, it really is that startup you feel where there are days that something is needed that has nothing to do with partnerships where I'm like, I'm on it. Yeah. And that insulation, that incubator feeling is awesome to be an, an entrepreneur, to be an entrepreneur yeah. that can count on a regular paycheck that has resources around. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, when I was brought in, the terms being used were green space and runway. And I'm like, that's great. I can do whatever I want. And there's no expectation for a financial result just yet. And uh, it's a it's an awesome situation. And I know they had something planned, but you were really just brought in to be that entrepreneur that you understood you were from a child and that leader and that mobilizer that you established yourself as a young adult. It sounds like they gave you a lot of trust. And you said that there's been an evolution and maybe maybe we should start with what the heck is digital lift and then go into what was the original concept and, and where did it go? But this is your story to tell. So what is, what is the most comfortable way of covering this? I think we need to take, I need to take a step back and understanding first why a tech company like Monday is committing 10% of its equity for nonprofits in the digital transformation space, and then go into the incubation of digital lift and, and what it looks like today. So with Monday, for all of you who are listening and haven't seen our YouTube ads, which is a rare thing for someone to say, we're a SaaS company, a cloud-based platform where companies, organizations, all shapes and sizes use our platform to manage their core operations. So for-profit, nonprofit, um, and everything in between can really um, utilize Monday.com. And the power of it is 
it's built with a no code framework. So it's basically building blocks to manage your operations and you don't need to be a developer to actually use the platform. And it's based on usability. So the values in which Monday.com was originally built was to speak to communities and ecosystems like the nonprofit sector who don't have the developer resources at times or the technical know-how to operate a system. And so I think the idea of us being in the social impact space was born out of the way our co-founders created the software. We had amazing success in in breaking into the space. We have over 150,000 companies who use our platform and it's like the drumbeat of their everyday operations. And with that success came responsibility. I think as tech companies, we need to think about what is our presence in the world. We're leveraging technology and it's building amazing successes around the world, but we really wanted to take it a step further. So the Monday.com nonprofit plan was born. And it was really to take that accessibility to the next step. So with Monday, for all of the nonprofit professionals watching, we give our first 10 seats for free and a 70% discount on each additional seat. So it really brings software in a way that um, I think we want to see more of. Like nonprofits shouldn't be spending their money on technology. They should be spending their money where it's needed the most, right? So that's where we started with our social impact offering. And with the company going into IPO, within our IPO documentation, you will find our social impact commitment. And with it, we committed 10% of our equity to Digital Lift, 1% of our employee volunteer time to volunteer with nonprofits every day, and 100% of our product Um, in free seats. So for every $1 in revenue that we get from the for-profit sector, we donate that back to nonprofits and free seats. So the the blueprint, I guess, of Digital Lift was really incubated from the get-go of the software and then also when we IPO'd. Um, And no one anticipated the success that, that our company had for IPO. And with that came 10% equity to like really help nonprofits thrive. So that's when Digital Lift was born. Um, And with Digital Lift, we understood, you know, giving your product for free is amazing. I encourage every tech company to do something that works for them and their product and their budget, but it's not enough. You cannot just give a nonprofit free seats or free whatever and think that they're going to know how to succeed no matter how user-friendly your software is. They really need a partner that really set like goes above and beyond. And so we looked at different platforms, different ecosystems where nonprofit offerings were, were being made. And then we said, we said, Oh, what doesn't exist is a nonprofit platform, a one-stop shop that is free from a philanthropic lens where nonprofits can come to to access the technology that they need that's already discounted and they don't need to pay for it, you know, to join. And we brought the vision of this one-stop shop, the, the way that you framed it, Peter, a shortcut to the tech solutions they need. And we added on grants so nonprofits can access um, actual financial resources to buy the software that they need. So the the budget barrier doesn't exist. And it's not to buy software for Monday. It's to buy software 
for everything else that they need. Right. Um, so we have a grant program that's open, the volunteers from Monday that operate as digital consultants to help them with understanding the tech, helping them build out implementations for it, the tech products and the community. Yeah. And I don't want to break your flow because there's a lot to unpack here, but I do want to rewind. Okay. So our, our mutual friend, Lauren, who introduced me to you, who runs that Monday offer, and I'm not mis- mistaken. Mm-hmm. I came to Lauren is like, hey, you're kind of the gold standard out there. Uh, when I do speaking engagements, when I talk about customer journey advocacy in the nonprofit space, there's always a screenshot of Monday. And I think it's something that all of us, especially focused in tech for good or product impact, need to understand. Um, the journey isn't just about a discount. Yeah. You know, you're, what you're doing is you're, you're forcing a different kind of debt onto a nonprofit or onto anyone that you're giving a discount to. Are you providing customer success? Are you providing tools right up front? And in, in my current role, and I'm not speaking for my employer, past nor present or anything like that, um, but we have a big focus on product-led growth. That's a big aspect of what we do. And one of the things that I've really envied about how Monday established their nonprofit offering is when you sign up for a monday.com account, right up front, it asks, personal use, business use, or are you a nonprofit? Wow. I can't think of anyone else in the space that nonprofit packages up front. Then you go ahead and click through as a nonprofit. There are already made templates for your donor and customer relationship management, program management, basic accounting that are covered by Monday. Click and get ready to go. And that that level of customer success avoids, sure, you're buying something as a discount, but free is not free. There's all that setup time, there's the training, there's the understanding. And it sounds like that that ethos, that mindset that Monday established in its own practices. And I know this is a customer of Digital Lift or a participant. What do you call us? Partners? Partners. We're partners. All right, partners. I know as a partner that you're demanding that caliber of interaction from people that participate. So let's let's unpack Digital Lift and maybe start with what that core platform with partners is. And then we can start talking about foundation and all the funding. I can't even remember everything you said because there's so much inside of Digital Lift. But yeah, let's talk about the product impact side. Okay, so product impact. We took the philosophy or the theory that nonprofits needed more than just a discount and we implemented from a product perspective. So the Digital Lift platform has digital toolkits, we like to call them. And within those digital toolkits, nonprofits can access a step-by-step guide on how to use a technology for a use case that they need. So there's a, a huge array of digital toolkits that cover everything from how to collect donations online to how to manage uh, your next project to how to engage your supporters um, and volunteers and organizers from SMS text messaging. 
And the digital toolkits include everything from Monday specific templates all the way to external partners like you and Twilio um, and Give Butter and many more um, so that it really feels like a space where nonprofits can come to access the technology that they need and then do that from the framework of the use case that they need. So when you look at the Digital Lift interface, you actually won't find the names of the tech products, including our own. What you'll find is the use case that the nonprofit is looking for. And from that use case, that's how they start their user journey of understanding the technology that they need. Because online, it's out there. If a nonprofit wants to find technology, you know, Google has them covered. But we were focusing more on creating a user experience that allowed them to identify that technology from the use case that they were initially, the problem, the the, the opportunity that they were looking to build and then build, go from there. Yeah, so that, it, and it's funny that I think a few of us are coming to terms with that. I know when I came into Auth0, my whole intent from nonprofit experience was going, everybody's wearing many hats, startups, yeah. nonprofits. Titles don't align. There's no customer persona. And when you're marketing to or interacting with a nonprofit, they're not an enterprise customer is an enterprise customer. If a nonprofit's large enough that they're an enterprise customer, they're they're researching that way. They have a dedicated IT team. They have a dedicated research team, legal compliance. They've got all that. And when I started marketing in this space, I focused on a category called jobs to be done. And that's very much what Digital Lift does. And it's funny that even though I profess it, you and I were at odds on this when we started building out uh, yeah. what, what we're promoting because it's hard to prioritize what's the, what is the best. And for those that don't know, jobs to be done, uh, go to whencoffeeandkalecompete.com. There's a great free book uh, that can help you understand that whole premise and framework. But it simply is, I'm trying to get to some end result and the product marketer is obligated to speak about the end result and not the features that get you there. I know that sounds complicated, but there's a book to back it up. And Digital Lift, in in many cases, and, and if you browse it, and Ruan, you'll give us a like a walkthrough demo that we can put on the website and people can play with yes. it and everything else. All right. You get that. Like we need an SMS integration for like what? Let's talk about the Twilio one since it was brought up. What what was the specific ask? Because like Twilio, you can do anything with them. Yeah. If it has to deal with a cell phone or a number in general, a contact number, Twilio's got you. So how do you narrow that down to one thing for a nonprofit? And what was the one thing you narrowed it down to? That's such a good question, and you're so right. It's it is challenging. Um, especially with the technology products out there, the versatility of usability. And, and I always I always do get a little bit of pushback when I'm talking to a tech company where I'm like one use case. And they're like, that's like hard to do because our product does everything else. So taking the Twilio and Textit toolkit that was curated by the Twilio and Textit team in partnership with us, we started with the most basic question that I think frames how we, how we think about toolkits that we want to do. And it is, what is the pain point that nonprofits have when it comes to the use case? So for Twilio and Text, it's like, what is the pain point that they have when they're trying to engage their donors, their volunteers online or digitally? What is that pain point? And one of the things that came up was 
with a platform like Twilio that is absolutely incredible and game-changing and the ability to text uh, WhatsApp anyone from anywhere and like at, at masses, what came up is like, it, it's actually a technical product, right? Like you need to have some kind of technical capacity within your organization to be able to build out that use case from an NGO perspective. And so we said, how do we remove the technical barrier? Like, how do we make it as simple and easy and as straightforward as possible? And that's where Twilio said, oh, there's a platform called Textit that removes the technical know-how because they've already built it with our system. So we brought Textit together in partnership with Twilio and Digital Lift to build a use case that allows nonprofits to engage their donors digitally with SMS messaging using two tech products that remove the, the dev resources needed to do it. Cool. One of the things, and, and you had gotten into this, homogenize is the word that's coming to mind, but that's very inaccurate. Agnostic. Here we go. That's the word I'm going to use. The platform, Digital Lift, is brand agnostic, Yeah. which is pretty cool. It's solution-oriented yeah. to the extent, and this is where I was going with homogenized, everybody has to make tutorial videos to go with whatever other documentation they're providing, and the videos use the same templates, almost the same framework. We're, we're all a little different. So that that end user, when they're looking at this, and this is just my perspective, do do correct me or expand upon this, they're, they're looking at a like a click and play library of things that they can add to their own technology ecosystem that don't look like seven or eight or 10 or a thousand different pitches from different tech companies. It's, yeah. I need a login solution or I need a way to send SMS to my stakeholders. Yeah. And it doesn't say it's Twilio or it doesn't say that it, that, that it's anybody else. It doesn't say that it's Okta Auth Zero. That's really cool. That's also scary. It's hard. That's got to be hard to sell. People like me and others, it's got to be impossible, especially when you're dealing with real product marketers to say, narrow it down to your, to your most appropriate feature for a nonprofit that's also easy to do and accessible and as cheap as possible. Yes. It's not easy given the the product alignment that we're going for, the no branding, the use case specific as easy as possible and as budget friendly as possible. But I think the incredible teams that I engage and, and talk to like you understand that it really is a game changer for nonprofits to have a platform like this. You know, the salesiness isn't there. It really covers their very their their simplest pain points, you know, outlined on a on a product level. And I think that's where the sell is, right? Because it's the heart of the social impact space, wanting to do that for nonprofits. And it and it's funny stepping back, I think that was something that was pretty refreshing for me. When you're when you're coming from tech, when you've got that logo on your NASCAR jacket, so to speak, where I talk to these organizations and they just want my logo. They don't want my mm. ideologies. They they want my logo and maybe a check, a, a logo-sized check. <laughs> and they're doing it to promote their own platform. They're doing it to build themselves up through who they can promote as being their constituency. And it was rather refreshing to not have that be the concern in this case, to have the concern being showing how our tool blindly yeah. can present a result for an organization. And I think the majority of us are in it for that. Like we represent some tool that does something really awesome to support 
the heroes that are the actual heroes in the space. Me giving discounted product does not make me a great person or a hero by by any standard. But being able to recognize the use of it and and tout it and and be able to share with my own team, that's really cool. And not say that our marketing was behind it. Actually show that the product had a real effect. And this is just me, I guess, endorsing as a background element that that's one of the reasons it sold me. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny because facing it head on, yeah, it is is so counterintuitive to what many of us as professional salespeople or marketers or even like your ESG, DEI, HR people in the space can't, there's no business case for that. It's very hard to show that immediate gratification, whereas the long term is where all the value is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's something that I really like about Digital Lift is that to use a phrase from the social work profession you're really meeting the client, the partner, the customer, where they are in terms of their journey and their needs. I'm wondering, do you have any, I've heard sprinkles of the answers to this question, but maybe we just call them out together um, in one go. But do you have any suggestions for CSR professionals for ways for them to kind of meet the needs of nonprofits more so in the tech space? Yeah, I mean, we're in the space to help nonprofits not because they they like quote unquote need help. I think it's more so understanding that, like Peter said, NGOs are the heroes. Like they are the they don't have special powers. They don't wear capes, but they are literally a group of people who wake up every day and fight for a better world for us. Fight injustices, really stepping up and dedicating their lives to like to their own communities and the broader world. And so, when thinking about how to build products for this sector, for the community, it really boils down to to treating them as a partner, like treating them as a partner in the space, talking to them, actually like engaging with them and not just looking at them as a go-to market sector. Yes, obviously everyone has their business hat on, unfortunately, even in the CSR space. And I say unfortunately because I think we should we should not have that mindset, but but when engaging in nonprofit work, you really can't build a product for them unless you've been in their shoes or really empathize with their experience. Um, I think I wouldn't know where to start had I not spent countless nights like obsessed with the fact that I have 5,000 technology platforms and each of them are like thousands of dollars. Like, like my experiences frame that. So really have an empathetic lens in, in understanding their needs. And also yeah, engaging with them like your partners because you're doing it together. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I had one more question from going back a little bit, hearing about how Monday.com got started and kind of wove in social impact to their their mission. Not all companies do it that way, unfortunately. Any suggestions for folks that are in a company that are just kind of like adding on the social impact? How can they make that more authentic and meaningful for communities that they serve? Yeah, I have to say, I I am very fortunate to be in the unique position of working for a company that embeds social impact in, in our core values. But creating authentic social impact in the tech sector starts with the people, starts with you, your ideas as a professional in the space, because you have a voice, you have a seat, you have resources that many nonprofits would dream of having. And that can manifest itself as using some of your marketing budget to really help amplify the voices of some of the nonprofits that are using your product or 
mobilizing your colleagues to start out a volunteering initiative if your company hasn't done so already. So really bringing your ideas and your passions to your workspace is the easiest way to create authentic impact because it's coming from you as someone in the space. And I'd also say that talking, like really speaking up about that being something that you want to focus on to your manager, to your colleagues, to the CEO of the company can really make a huge impact. I always um, share my ideas with executives and leaderships at Monday about projects that I think are worthwhile doing. And it, it takes it takes an ear to really create a transformational project for nonprofits. Really mobilizing as an activist for impact and showing the company that you want to move forward with that. I think that's a great way to get us a foot in the door to get started and moving forward. And I, I'm, I'm curious, and I know that you didn't come in as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but in the space or in any space, if you're working for an organization and you want to bring a a corporate social responsibility mindset. If you, for people that are listening, they're like, man, I wish I worked for an organization that even had VTO or where we have the capability of helping nonprofits with our product or changing or adding a focus of our product marketing or our product build to support nonprofits a little bit better or be a better fit for them. And I'm not saying treat them as an industry vertical, but is there advice you have for somebody that is in something established, but they'd love to be an entrepreneur and start something like this from scratch. Where do they start? How do they how do they build that culture? You know, the entrepreneurial culture, whether it's for your team, whether it's for your company, whether it's for yourself as wanting to start something, I think begins at the fact of you making that commitment in in going from idea to idea to formation and action. And I say this because when we're, when you're a professional in the corporate space, let's say, and you don't have a social impact job or you don't have a social impact focus, if you're wanting to give back and like create something, then you need to have the commitment to say, I have this idea and I'm going to do this, even if it means it takes up some of my free time and my weekends. And it's really me putting something into fruition from a volunteer perspective to make it happen. So having the commitment, I would say, to to go for it, um, and also having the courage to speak up about it. I know it's hard sometimes to like go to your manager and be like, hey, I, in addition to my roles and responsibilities, I'd like to launch this project. But it does take the courage to speak it to your mentors, to your managers, to your colleagues, so that so that, you know, things start happening, ideas start forming, and you really create the space to talk about making it happen. So it's kind of like ownership, passion, yeah. and boldness. Yeah. And understanding your company's existing culture that it does, does a business case need to be made? Is this something that, that works on retention and burnout? What, what solution for the organization is corporate social responsibility uh, developing? Cool. So what's what's next in digital? Li- oh, we didn't talk money. We didn't talk the foundation. We didn't talk anything yet. Look at I, know. I, I have dropped the ball. Money, the moolah. Obviously, with nonprofits, if you're in the nonprofit space or wanting to get into the nonprofit space or wanting to give back to nonprofits, money is a huge thing for them. It's it's an interesting thing to navigate as a nonprofit professional because essentially to do the work 
you need to fundraise. And to fundraise, you need to have work and you need to have like a salary to back up the time. So for many nonprofit professionals, there's a stress that I felt, you know, when I was uh, working in the nonprofit space that if I don't raise X amount of money, I can lose my job. If I don't raise X amount of money, how can I work towards the mission that I set out to do, that I wake up every day to do? So with that in mind, we really wanted to make sure that we were dedicating funds and resources um, to support nonprofits. Our focus and the way that we distribute funds to nonprofits has a technological focus because we understood in a lot of our impact research that actually no one was doing it. No one was telling nonprofits, hey, here's a grant to buy software that you need. Here's a grant to digitize your core operations. And so our grant programs focus on that, getting financial resources for nonprofits to digitize their operations because if things are efficient, if things are set up to scale, then that's where impact multiplies by a lot. So our grant programs uh, right now focus on that. We have an open grant that's always available. It's part of our digital lift, you know, core offerings, and it's our $1,000 software grant. So nonprofits who are eligible can apply and they access $1,000 to purchase the software that they need. In addition to that, we actually just closed our digitization grant for nonprofits to access up to $100,000 to go into an entire digitization journey where it's beyond the software, but thinking more holistically in their operations. And we're also launching very soon a Giving Tuesday grant. You know, it's the biggest philanthropic day of the year. And we understand it's a lot to do for a nonprofit. Um, so with that, we're offering up to $2,500 for nonprofits to purchase software that they need and also consulting services because it's, you know, consulting is a whole other game for nonprofits to to access and be able to use uh, those services, but sometimes they're costly. So with that, we're offering $2,500 for nonprofits for their Giving Tuesday operations. It's very exciting. I know that we can participate with product. This Giving Tuesday thing, which uh, November 29th this year, right? Yeah. November 29th, yes. 2022. Let's say an organization doesn't have a product offering, but boy, would they love to write a check. Is this something where, is this a way that they could contribute? to a digital Absolutely. lift for a nonprofit, working with you to provide one of these grants or tech scholarships or, you know, well, there's fun names for it. But yeah, I think you call it a grant. Yeah, we call it a grant. And, you know, you bring up a really good point, Peter, and it's that digital lift was not created to exclusively be the philanthropic arm of Monday. If you actually look at our website, you barely see our logo. You actually don't see our logo and you see like, Hired my by Monday all the way at the end, and it was intentional because we we brought this idea because we wanted it to be a collective space for tech companies to come together and give back to nonprofits. So whether it's the Giving Tuesday grant or any other grant that we have open right now, I always tell my tech partners to partner, bring in funds, product, whatever feels authentic to that company so that we can step up as a community, the tech community in a real way. That's cool. And this that goes back into the whole shortcut thing. Yeah. And not really worrying about donor advised funds or, or anything else, being able to make a very uh, localized, impactful statement. And, and it's amazing how sometimes $2,000 to one organization can have a, a much more noticeable impact when it's thoughtful 
than writing a hundred thousand dollar check to an organization that is going to take care of this and take care of that. And, um, it just gets diluted and and doesn't make much sense. And I know that's something Jess that you bring up quite often that really not myopic, but tight vision and interaction is, is very powerful. The way that we've built in the digital lift offerings from a product lens all encompasses the same, the same values. So easy, simple, fast. We do not want a nonprofit to waste time on anything that is like bureaucratic and processes and all of the, the experiences that they have to go through in, in their different encounters in their everyday work. So our grants are very unique in that they are very fast. They are very simple. We are not asking for forms and applications and entire um, 50-page essays for them to to frame why they need the resources that they're asking for. It's actually a quite simple, easy, fast process for them to access those funds. And it's not always that way. So I think the mindfulness around it is really important. And it shows that you are really keeping the partner and the nonprofit at the center. So yeah, really inspiring work. Yeah, this whole lack of vanity is fascinating. So I got a, I got a couple more and I'll, I'll, I'll release you. Um, but I think everybody's really enjoying this. Who are you watching in the space? We know digital lifts doing awesome things. Who, who are you like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. I want to I want to lift and shift something they're doing or has nothing to do with what I do but boy is that really fun. I am a huge fan of Canva. And I say I like watch their work and what they're doing in the social impact space because I was a customer of theirs as a nonprofit and I think the same value of how do we help nonprofits create amazing, incredible, beautiful content that doesn't rely on technical skill sets is like the embodiment of the Canva product. So I absolutely adore the product and the way that it's set up, user-friendly, intuitive, and they have an incredible nonprofit pricing plan. It's it's for free. So I really I really love their their social impact offerings, their product, and I mean I think there, there's a lot, Peter. You know, there's a lot of really cool initiatives out there. Um, and I think the the game is changing for how companies go about social impact is it's not, it's no more, let me write a check to this nonprofit and share about that in my financial report. I really see more and more companies stepping up um, and participating with NGOs in a, in a more real, authentic way. Very cool. What's next for Digital Lift? Well, I have my partnerships hat on as a partnerships manager, but I really want to see Digital Lift be be that one-stop shop that we're we're building it out to be where it's not just, you know, 10 or 20 tech companies who are coming in to build easy, accessible, affordable products and and know-hows on our platform, but it's 500. Like I I want to change the landscape um, of tech companies who really start thinking about their product impact for nonprofits with the vision that we've set out to create. Awesome. Awesome. What's next for Rowan? Oh, (laughs) Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I guess really building out, building out the vision of digital lift and, and that partnerships framework. Like I really want to be part of this new movement or lead a movement. That's what I want. I want to lead the movement for tech company 
social impact professionals who are rethinking social impact, engaging in a way that's more authentically connected and aligned with the passions of the individuals who are coming together to give back. And yeah, powering up nonprofits because they they need they have all the power and if we can up it in, in the capacities that we can then we're we're much better positioned as as humans living on earth um given the crisis that we have all right so as that aspirational role model and that thought leader how do people get a hold of you how do people join digital lift and how do people find and follow you and and keep hearing this message and seeing this journey Ooh, so nonprofit professionals out there, please check out digital-lift.org and sign up super easy and you'll be able to access the grants we talked about, the products that we named today, check out all of our offerings. So sign up and get ready to see an incredible Giving Tuesday initiative. And then for me, I always say LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my go-to for connecting with awesome individuals in, in, my, in my workspace and in, in the community that I'm building within the social impact tech sector and the nonprofit sector. So connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Rowan O'Day, and I look forward to chatting. Awesome. Anything that you want to talk about that we didn't quite get to today or any final parting words for our audience? I would say... If you're if you're in a community or in a company and you're not seeing the change you want to see or the commitment that you want to see for your community, your company, your your ecosystem, then I would encourage you to step up, speak up and be the voice, be the voice for the voiceless, for the nonprofits who don't have access to the companies that you work for. Advocate and be an activist. I love that. Yeah, it's important. So this, that's a good place to say, Rowan, thank you for joining us and having a good chat. And that does it for this episode. Should you or someone you know be our next guest? Visit goodchat.org and click the link to nominate a guest. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us and tell your friends. You can find other ways to support us at goodchat.org and uh, catch you next time. Do it. Thank you.